1: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of April 2011. For newcomers, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and hopefully you'll find uh, hundreds of audios to enlighten you, as I say, uh, into the big system into which you've been born and to show you how big Incredibly big organizations, worldwide organizations, all working together, plan the future as they plan the present and as they actually plan the past, the past that your parents and grandparents lived through, all for a form of global governance as they call it, but it's also to do with um, a, an orderly society, a society which is planned as opposed to individuals just meeting up and having children and then deciding what they want to do, including even leaving school. Uh, they want school to work and so on. They'll decide what you're good at, and that's all you'll be trained in, in fact. Who needs geography when you're going to be a carpenter? That's the idea behind all of that. So it's a planned society by those who have deemed themselves the most fittest to plan it all, uh, that's the most uh, wealthy elite families on the planet who've held on to power for many generations uh, and and their, their wealth. They haven't squandered it by having um, children who go off and just blow all the cash, uh, and that's why they have arranged marriages and so on. So they've pulled off their big trick to build empires, use empires, and then eventually they've got a world empire. Then they flatten all the countries they've used in the past. That's what they generally do, and go ahead from there with their big plan. We're pretty well there at the moment, actually. And, of course, United Nations is a focal point, the big hub f- f- for all the global agreements that we, we go through. Now, remember, 2 your audience who bring me to you, so if you want to buy the books and discs I have for sale, Go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com and you'll find out how to do it there. From the U.S. to Canada, you're the only country left outside Canada. You can still send a personal check to Canada. You can also use an international postal money order to Canada. And you can send cash or use PayPal to order. Use the donation button you'll see in the com site. And uh, follow it up with an email with name, address, and order. Across the rest of the world, you're stuck with Western Union, MoneyGram, or PayPal. So that's what we've got so far. Eventually there'll be one system for worldwide even local in fact there'll be a worldwide system when you have your international ID card which most of you already have even though you don't know it because uh, we all have most of have driving licenses and using that even an in international data basis as well. So the world that we're living in today uh, as I say was planned long ago. I've mentioned many of the big authors who took part. In the planning stages, often they dealt with philosophy, uh, and, and there were classes of philosophers, many of them, and uh, they wrote their own books, and memoirs, and you'll find uh, the accolades for them in many universities across the world, the Ivy League universities, for helping to plan this big society on behalf of their masters, and the masters, of course, are the ones with more cash than they have, the international banking families and there's not very many of those characters, guys who actually lend to nations. But uh, this is the plan, as I say. We're living through it today. They've almost finished their mission. You can follow them down through history as they move into a country, build it up. as an empire through trading and war eventually, and then collapse it behind them, leaving it in masses of debt. And And meanwhile, before they've left, of course, they've already set up another country to hop into and do the same thing again there. When the money pulls out, The countries basically collapsed behind them, left with massive debt. And that's what you've seen all down through history. Uh, It's interesting to me that Arnold Toynbee and others, big uh, people at uh, Oxford University, and uh, there were actually two of them, a father and a son, uh, talked about this uh, system. And the U.S. eventually would be the empire for a while, the policeman for a while of the world, and then it would be flattened, basically. That's what you're seeing now, back after this... Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Perception is what everything really runs on and how we perceive things. And even in ancient times, uh, uh, they, they used to alter per- perception that the priest did, it, at least for the ancient people in old pagan times, as they call it, paganism. But uh, you, you'll find that at one time the priests would, in, in other countries too, even in Latin American countries in ancient times, as well as in the Middle East, uh, the priests would Uh, Who'd studied the stars for God knows how long? We'll never ever know just how long humankind really is, at least for for knowledge-wise, that is. Civilization didn't start with the city, and it didn't start really just with with the the writing that we know of. It started long, long before in previous times, even previous disasters. But the thing is, the priests always knew the art of controlling the, the general public in any country, and they eventually taught the people that if they didn't hand in their goodies and toss a few diamonds or jewelry their way or some gold, silver or something that sparkled and had some value, then the sun wouldn't come up and they would do their ritual singing to the sun every, every morning just before dawn broke. And of course, people were too, too afraid, really, to deny them because they were terrified of the darkness. In ancient times, darkness was a, a scary thing because you didn't know what was coming at you in the dark, either people or animals. Kind of much like today. So, But anyway, uh, that's how they, uh, they drew in the loot from the, from the public. And eventually, after a generation or two, of course, it's quite natural. The children grew up thinking it's all quite natural. These guys bring the sun up every day, and they're awfully important for your survival. Today, it's a bit different. It's scientists, of course, who have uh, had a waste of 500-year war on the old religions, And uh, they've taken over the place of the priests because they don't even have to name them now. A lot of the times in articles that they hand out to the newspapers, they just uh, say experts say and uh, a specialist and -and so-and-so said. And that's all we have to hear, exactly as Bertrand Russell said in one of his books back in the 40s. 1940s. They would train the public to listen to experts until they couldn't think for themselves. And the trick to that is that you don't perceive for yourself. Same thing, you alter perception on things. You find the same thing with behavior modification. It's really geared towards altering the person's perception on any event or thing that's happening and that happens also with whole populations via the media, something that Bernays knew awfully well because he gave America its consumer society, and uh, he was a big uh, manager. He worked alongside presidents to give thoughts to the people to get them on board for wars, that type of thing. He was an an excellent con man. He just knew the tricks of the trade, and obviously he had been taught since a very early age to do so. So these are sciences which have always existed, kept quiet, initially through priests in ancient times, and eventually up to the Enlightenment. They started to break through then, but still kept pretty secret amongst a few. And then it carries on to today, because knowledge is power. And even the old alchemists, under the, the guise of Hocus Pocus, for, the, for their masses to believe, were actually teaching their disciples how to conquer the mind, basically, how to con people, how people really did behave, especially in the mass-type situation, the crowd, as he called it. And, um, and these techniques came down through the ages. Now they're, of course, sciences. And they always said, too, in, in, in the old alchemists, that their real secrets were making things like explosives and stuff like that, things which really did work. They would, they would, they would sell dearly to kings and queens, or governments, because it would give them power over governments. And that's actually how it is today, in a sense. All governments now look towards the experts, the scientists, for all advice, and the outsourcers like to call it uh, all the stuff to all these different organizations that eventually, are, of course, are private organizations. And you end up with this new feudal system that Carr Quigley said was the aim and the goal of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, always, a new feudal system where the CEOs would be basically the captains and the captains of industry would be the new feudal overlords. And we already have that. Governments really are pretty helpless today because the guys that go in there uh, don't really know very much. What what good is a degree in law? Uh, And most of them are lawyers, of course. If um, if you were going in to be appointed the minister of of health or the minister of physics or something or something like that, I mean it's no use at all. And so now of course they're openly bringing on uh, environmentalists and so-called specialists uh, to on, onto the teams, and you don't elect them, of course they're just appointed, and they they now have a big big say, a big clout because of the, the new high priest, you see of government, and. Um, We know that government is really a charade. If you've been listening to this uh, program over, or broadcast, I should say, over, over the years, government really has always really been a sham. Uh, Francis Bacon put that out quite uh, succinctly when he wrote a kind of a treatise or a, or basically a resume to the king and to show how smart he was at conning public, the public. And he said that the public really should always be kept in the dark, basically, as to the true machinations of where the government's really going for the goals of government. Nothing has changed. The trick, of course, is to alter again perceptions by giving you a massive media, uh, a variety you think of media, in order that you're so that you all chat about the same things. Very simple trick. You're all chatting about the same things. Your opinion's already given to you via the media or you'll, you'll actually follow it to the desired conclusion, each story, for instance, and that's how they're written. There's no real uh, honest news out there at all on anything, and um, the rest of it is just trivia. But all the big stuff is kept out of the papers, and it always has been kept out of the papers. There's um, very few reporters out there that are genuine. John Pilger has done an awful lot of good work, on exposing and being a, a reporter himself or an investigative reporter. There are very few of them, of course. But he's done a lot of uh, a, 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 many, many different documentaries on how the big world system works. And it also justifies and verifies what I've said earlier. When the big boys move in with the cash, they build up a country, and they'll use a kind of fascist system or dictatorship to keep slave labor going across the world. And then, of course, when they see something better somewhere else, they just pull out and leave the mess behind them and that 's how it 's really always been. same thing with embedded reporters in war there 's nothing new whatsoever about that. Um, Pilger 's done a documentary on that one of his last ones in fact, to show you how that operates from World War one onwards, especially so at the bottom level at the bottom level, uh, we are Still dependent basically upon what, about, or what, from what the media throws at us, basically the chicken feed. The stuff has been through all the filters and the sieves of the farm until you're left as chicken feed at the bottom and you're supposed to make sense of it. Well, I always think of Albert Pike because he said that a person who wouldn't use her own intellect, meaning your judgement, your intellect, your reasoning power, a person who wouldn't use his own was nothing more than meat on the table and a beast of burden by choice and consent. And that's really how you're viewed, you see. You're given a lot of clues, a lot of hints, but you're still waiting to be told what to do by the same media. Brzezinski talked about this too. He said the people eventually will expect the media to do their reasoning for them. And he actually said that in one of his books in the 1970s. And that's all come true. Most folk today... If you told them uh, what was happening, even with radiation, they'd wait till the media told them uh, if it was if, if it was uh, too unsafe to to stay there, or uh, they want they really want to believe the media. If the media tells them just stay where you are, it's fine, you know. So that's how people are. They will not use their own individual, and that's the key, individual abilities to reason out anything is given to them. Many folk too get hostile, very hostile to bring up any truth whatsoever that makes them feel uncomfortable. Now this is again because society has been trained through generations actually with a scientific technique, uh, again outlined by Bertrand Russell. And he said back in the 30s and 40s that uh, eventually the public will be given a form of an ego-syntonic and egocentric society where the world will revolve around each individual and they'll, they'll seek pleasure and avoid pain. Now, he's talking there about mental pain, things which make you feel uncomfortable, and that's what you have today. And that's why you get direct reactions from people who don't want to listen to you, uh, and they get hostile if you persist. Uh, they're, they're waiting for a big brother to tell them that everything's going to be nice and cozy and comfortable for them. That's what they want to hear. You're looking at damaged people that are totally conditioned, they're perfectly conditioned, and that's the problem. I've also mentioned before, but Aldous Huxley's book *Brave New World*. Now, the guy was well in uh, being, again from a family associated with the Darwin family. He was well in on the agenda, as it was with his brother Julian Huxley, and he took part in uh, experiments in Tavistock on mental patients, where they stuck wires in their brains long before Dolgada was given the fame. Of trying it on a bull, uh, they were actually using people in Britain. But and he thought that was wonderful, by the way, at least Julian, Julian Huxley, uh, Aldous Huxley. But he did mention the same thing that um, in Brave New World that uh, the society would be created and dominated by a small group of men. You find him verifying this in Brave New World Revisited, and. And his talks that he's he's given at some of the the top Ivy League universities, I've got links in my archive section at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, you can hear him talking about it. And and he knew this was a plan. And um, he talked about genetic engineering back in the 1930s. I'm sure they were talking about it long, long, long before that, and and actually playing on it too, before they supposedly even discovered the gene on the lower levels of reality. That's why you have research research. They've already done the searching. And he talked he talked about it in Brave New World, how a society would be created where people would be cloned for their workstations basically, and you have your alpha, betas and thetas and so on, all the way down for your, your particular type of work to do. And I'll 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 continue with this on this line because it'll tie in with what I'm talking about tonight, back after this break. Hi, folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix just talking about Brave New World and how Huxley's and many of the other top players who helped design the present system, by the way, uh, and who knew exactly where they were going to take society and they knew they could do it. They had no problems in doing it at all. And because of the biggest money boys in the world were backing them for cultural changes to ensure that it happened and giving grants to universities to ensure that certain curriculum would go through and certain things would be taught and other things would not be taught. However, in Brave New World, when you look at the so-called primitive that gets to go into the the modern city uh, of these advanced uh, types of clone people, uh, they think he's kind of quaint, this guy who talks about Shakespeare and he talks about... Uh, He talks about mating, having a a wife, and stuff like that. And they titter, they're very polite, and they listen to him, uh, and they can quizzical about it too, because they can't relate to what he's talking about, because their system was so far different, had gone ahead so far, they couldn't imagine uh, any of the things he was talking about, uh, staying with a person, having children of your own, that kind of stuff. Well... I mean, when you think about it, many of us have lived through all of the changes that brought all this about in our own lifetime. And none of them happened from the bottom up. They all happened from the top down. As Plato said, any cultural changes must be not only authorized from the top, it must be created and promoted from the top. And that's exactly how the culture has been, uh, right down to the degradation we see today. So you simply take that example of taking the so-called primitive in and putting them with today's culture, and he would be utterly at a loss to, to understand them at all, and they would be at a loss to understand him. Well, that's how it is with the perfectly conditioned. And what uh, Huxley was showing you were the perfectly conditioned, those who had b- been given a completely different uh, view of life, again, perception, alteration. And they, never the twain can meet basically with the perfectly conditioned. They cannot relate to living in any other system. That's why people get their backs up when you try to uh, teach them something or even get their curiosity going. It's very, very difficult unless you stay on very simple things affect them directly. Generally, it's a fear-based thing like loss of job or inflation, something they can basically... Basically, simply understand, but um, otherwise you can't get through. You cannot make them indignant any more than the primitive in Brave New World could get those in the high civilization supposedly supposedly high. You couldn't get them uh, indignant about anything either. So that's really how it is today. So many many people call me or, or email me to do with this problem. How? Do you wake up, etc. How do you live when you know things that the others don't want to know? Well, you cannot force them to know. They are the perfectly conditioned and they will turn on you, either individually or en masse, as a troublemaker because you're upsetting them, literally upsetting them. They don't like to feel uncomfortable. They've been taught to be narcissistic, live for themselves, their own little circle of friends, or little world. And they don't want anything else to make them scared. They like Big Brother who tells them nice things and reassures them all the time. They like to believe they're professional people up there with very expensive suits and so on, gotten the best universities who are taking care of them. And that is what's called socialism. That's what socialism is. It's Big Brother, where you leave all the big important things to better brains than your own. That's how you're taught to see it all from the bottom. And many of them like that. They're taught to play and spend and and just be happy no matter what happens. Just be happy. That's where we are today. Even though everyone's fiddling while Rome burns because the U.S. is literally going down the tubes very quickly. And I've said this for years that the U.S. was really created to be the big military and industrial machine for war to conquer the rest of the countries, to push the same system. It took over from Britain, and it pushed the same system across the world as it's still doing today. Not for the world's benefit, not to bring in some wonderful world society where you'll get an even bigger brother uh, giving you uh, soothing words and so on, but really to bring in their scientifically controlled society where no one will get born without their go-ahead of selection On selection basis that is For your genes and so on And eventually they hope to actually breed Just like Brave New World They'll breed workers for the future And I am certain they have the ability to do it now And probably have tested a lot of things Out on on little islands off the coast Here and there uh, Over the last hundred years Because if you notice Even the James Bond movies It wasn't the big countries Really it was a problem It was very, very wealthy men with lots of cash to hire lots of scientists, and and uh, they actually had islands and all that kind of stuff to do their experimentation. Who's going to stop them? What law is going to stop them? There's none, you see. So we're living in the dark at the bottom level, and we're taught to be afraid all the time of the economy, the economy and the economy, because, you see, you've been trained that that's what you uh, really exist for, is to serve the economy. And if the economy goes down, we all go down a collective punishment. Now, where did this idea of collective punishment come from? Because really, if you're a free human being and you're born into this world here, uh, why is it that if some banker, for instance, or a bunch of stockbrokers uh, and gamblers uh, make bad bets, why should you end up suffering for it? Why should your employer that you work for end up suffering for it and laying you off? None of this is answered. It's, it's given to you as the normal way. And most people never think through that. The whys and wherefores are, who on earth designed this? Back with more after this break.
0: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi, folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix, just talking about this big system and how they use Britain for a long, long time to create an empire. The Royal Institute of International Affairs, Dash, Council on Foreign Relations, really uh, pushed for this global empire. And the U.S. was to take over from Britain, bigger tax base, more resources, more, more guys for the military. Uh, so they could certainly carry on as the world policeman. And getting back to Toynbee, Toynbee talked about this too at Oxford back in the 30s and 40s, and, and he, he mentioned uh, that the U.S. would come forward a few times towards the end of its life as a policeman of the world. It would be beaten on one, he said. They'd, they'd rally and come back again for a final push, be successful, then fall again, mainly through economic reasons. Well, it's amazing these, these professors can just predict this, isn't it? Like a crystal ball or something. But no, again Toy B was a Toy B was a globalist. He he was a guy who personally taught many Rhodes scholars for world government. And um he knew the agenda. They even had a timetable You know that Lenin talked about it, Toynbee talked about it, many of them talked about it, even Russell talked about it. It's just the end of the millennium into the new. That would be the, their time, the century of change where their big plans would come into fruition. Well, you're living through it today. And just like you get all these quakes around Japan, and you've got the whole world quaking as the big changes are pushed through. Again, through treaties and and, uh, and agreements that have assigned the United Nations, all run again by one big, powerful group. Uh, And as I say, the Royal Institute of International Affairs are the ones who set up the League of Nations and then oversaw the setting up of the United Nations. So world government's always been their goal, not to bring a happy family together, not to have multiculturalism, and not to feed to the poor, but actually to bring in a scientifically controlled and planned society, an orderly society where there'd be no free will, none of this free choice stuff. They can't get their work done, their big agenda's through, if everyone's haggling with each other over what should be done. So that's what you're going through today. And the U.S. definitely, as you've noticed, I hope, that you've noticed it's going down the tubes rather quickly with a debt that I don't care how many generations they could even have, if they were allowed to have children or even wanted to have children in this culture, uh, it would take to pay it all off, be phenomenal, it's impossible. Now, I'm going to put some links up tonight too. I'm sure everyone's heard about Japan and so on, what's going on today with the quakes uh, and the tremors. More tremors than the guy with the DTs. I'm telling you, as as it keeps, uh, it's the biggest drama we're we're living through for a long time, or we will live through for a long time. Uh, And I used to wonder would it be a a plague they'd set upon the world or what. Well, uh, they're certainly drawing this thing out. It makes no sense whatsoever that one private company supposedly Uh, can hold the whole world with bated breath to ransom, it just seems impossible. But this is what we're told, anyway, it all comes down to this particular private company that owns the nuclear reactors there. Uh, Even though the United Nations has admitted that uh, the effects of the radiation are crossing international boundaries, obviously, because radiation doesn't care about borders or who owns the sea to this particular area and beyond, It carries across the world, and they have the right to go in with specialists and all the rest of it and call upon the rest of the world to go in and help out if need be. Well, why haven't they done this? Why haven't they done this? Why has this been allowed to continue? Who benefits? Well, we already know that the big greenies, the so-called guys that are the fronts really for the big foundations, which are the fronts for the big international bankers, and, and the NGOs that also are the sole, the foot soldiers for them. We know that through all the agreements they've made at Copenhagen and so on, they want a world of austerity. They want a world where all your disposable income won't go on goodies that you'll buy from the stores or for extras. It'll go on major necessities. All of your disposable income. All means all. That's what post consumerism means. And look it up at the United Nations yourself if you want to find out what it means. There's got lots and lots about it. And you'll find this with taxes too. We're getting more and more taxes coming in. And taxes on gasoline are to come in. Uh, carbon taxes, even taxing by the mile, of course. I've talked about this at the United Nations for many years now. It's, it's coming in. Uh, Britain, I think, is actually passing it. And uh, they're the first ones to do it. We've also gone over in this particular uh, talk... Uh, format uh, i've done over the years the agenda from the united nations agenda 21 and how you fall to go into your little community in areas now initially they'll put you in existing communities or, or cities actually cram you into the cities because they expect the population to plummet they've said that themselves and i put up even the army think tank for nato and britain their own website a few years ago. I've, I put that up. on the, look, Again, look at the archive section at cutting 3 com. And there's about 90 pages on the future up to the year 2050 or so, where they say there's going to be a, a drastic reduction of population. Well, how are they going to do that? Well, we're going to find out with this radiation for sure because that's going to affect an awful lot of people, both in sterilizing and killing off over the years. So You've got to understand why you're going through what you're going through. It's all planned this way. The stock market was always a big balloon, a big bubble. And it's run on faith and conology, the art of conning, of course. And and uh, again, greed for for the suckers down the bottom. And uh, if they wanted to keep it going for another 20, 30, 50, or 100 years, they'd have kept it going, believe you me. Quite easy to do. And every economist is taught right off the bat you never give out bad news because then people get scared, and the small investors, especially the millions of the small ones, and they pull their cash out. And who did they get to announce it to the world that the stock market was going to be worse than the 20s and 30s? They got the president to come out, the president. That means it was meant to happen. To kick it all off for the 21st century. So I've got martial law across the whole world put in, in this 21st century. They say you've got every right except the right uh, of, of privacy and, uh, and to escape the system. That's, that's it, basically. You have no right to escape the system. Across the whole world. And everyone's adapting into it. Again, too, getting back to those who are perfectly conditioned. You see, they don't know themselves that they've been trained to adapt into everything Everything must be okay because the government's authorized it, so it's fine. They adapt into everything. You cannot humiliate them enough. If they ask them to strip off naked and don't, you know, don't even bother, but we at the scanners and airports, they'll do it. Give them a little bit of time and encouragement and they'll do it. So anyway, as the Agenda 21 is rolling on, I'm going to put a little bit up tonight on that and from the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome are big players and they're a private foundation uh, funded by the same bankers uh, getting cash from the same big foundations, other foundations like uh, Rockefeller and so on, Ford, Carnegie, etc., all the big boys. And also a list of their newest members. And you'll notice if you go through uh, these members, they're all into uh, environmental sustainability um, population control, all that kind of stuff, and they all work for government. So you see, the Club of Rome have members on every governmental panel across the planet, and you did not elect them. And electing doesn't mean a darn thing to do anyway, because your presence is the same thing. They all belong to the Council on Foreign Relations. You can get anybody to be the president, as long as they can read the script. We know, we know that from George Bush. With Obama, they're shielding you more. And notice this, too. This is another thing you're finding in this day and age. There's less and less uh, articles coming out about speeches given out by presidents or prime ministers. The, the new type of governance is to shield them and also to train you that they somehow they're way above you, even further above you, now more remote than they've ever been in the, in the past. You're getting trained that... The, that lower down officials would give you uh, what's happening, and you'll obey the lower down officials. That's how you're being trained for a global society. It's all to do with training. You're trained all the time through fiction and non-fiction. All works together. Even all the commercials. You, you just watch your commercials if you want to see what the path it's all going down. Because Madison Avenue was taken on board back in the in, in the 50s with this big agenda. And, again, Bertrand Russell talked about that. But the EU, again, the European Union, um, is adding their green tax to to the price of uh, gasoline. And that will kick off across the world now. They'll say, well, Britain's doing it and France is doing it, so I guess we better do it here too. And that's how things work today because you're already global. I've always said the answer to that is, well, if they cut their heads off, and this little country there should really cut the heads off the people here, you know. But of course, that, that reasoning doesn't stand up to these characters, because it's all bogus anyway. Everything they tell you is bogus. Now, another two articles too on the same topic, and it's human rights proposed for the birds, the bees, and the trees, as, as though it's some big fancy, big, big laugh, you know, the way that they work, the birds, the bees, and the trees. Well, this is just the, the continuation of uh, Maurice Strong's agenda, the, the, from the Earth Summit that he had, the first one at Rio. And uh, that's another one to come up shortly, I believe. And they gave all the animals under the Biodiversity Treaty all the rights uh, and the insects and uh, the trees and the grass and everything else and the weeds as well, uh, the rights of people, supposedly. Actually, more than people. People were not mentioned in their treaties. People had no rights at all. So there's two links on that. Again, the Agenda 21 from the United Nations, again, our sustainability, is all part of this. And, again, uh, Bolivia, is one of the articles, Bolivia's planning to tabula, table a draft, United Nations Treaty giving Mother Earth the same as rights as humans. So there you are. I guess that when they call you dirt poor, y- y'all came from the mud, I suppose, if, uh, if that's your mother. But that's up to you what you want to believe. And as I say, I'll put up the Club of Rome stuff and that all ties in with it as well. And you'll find another article too I'm putting up at cuttingthroughmatters.com after this talk is to do with communitarianism. That's the term they're using officially. George Bush Sr. is the first one who openly came out and used the term rather than communism. They called it communitarianism, which is collectivism under again appointed officials, not democratic. The Club of Rome said the system they're bringing in is a non-democratic system. And we're here, folks. But Cornwall Council in England, it says, new eco-communities call for sites. Cornwall Council is currently preparing a core strategy for Cornwall, which will shape the type and location of new development in Cornwall through to 2030. Now, I told you there's 5, 10, 15, 20-year plans, same as communism. It says As part of this process, the Council wants to explore opportunities for additional highly sustainable developments called eco-developments. And then they go into it as a unique opportunity to bring forward sites for consideration for large-scale eco-development. And uh, When you go down at all, uh, you'll find out uh, all the requirements for, for these so-called eco-developments and so on. But I've got on other sites here as well on the same topic from other countries in the Economic Union. And what 's missing off this particular one is that there's going to be uh, no car oh, actually, actually I had got it on here actually demonstrating an increase in travel by non car means. see under agenda twenty one there 's to be no private ownership or travel in vehicles of your own vehicle that 's all part of it. Now remember, too, when they set up the United Nations, and, and really it was simply the phoenix rising from the ashes of the United Nations with the same departments, the Department of Population Control, which gave it a nice, a, a better, kinder sounding uh, term for the United Nations, a uh, just call it Department of Population. Uh, they worked with the agricultural agencies uh, under the UN Agricultural Department, and they said eventually they will be uh, responsible for doling out the food across the world. And each region, as you get built into regions, will be responsible, too, to keeping down its population for its rationing of food. And therefore, you know, it's your problem. You bring it down one way or another because you're getting no more food. That's really what they said in their early charter. You're living through an agenda. This is what I'm trying to get through. You're living through a planned agenda, and if you go through the United Nations plans, uh the military think tanks plans, the RAND plans that have worked out for all the governments, they're all identical with timelines. Five-year plans for a certain project, ten for another, fifteen, fifty for another, a hundred for another, etc. That's how they work it out. And really, you have very little free choice in anything. Very, very little. And as I say, getting back to this Japan disaster, it's astonishing to say that they haven't they're allowing this to continue and continue and continue. Why? What ties in, as I say, with it with the Copenhagen Treaty and all the other treaties to do with we cannot leave this kind of thing to private enterprise anymore we can't even leave it to governments there's got to be world government there's got to be uh, uh, new forms of energy that, you know the safer kind where you can get a little windmill that will light a light bulb if you're lucky uh, stuff like that as as they close down the coal plants and all the other things that bring you your electricity that's what's happening in the world now also they've got to put Private farmers out of business. Like everything else, um, there's going to be no private business. I mean, across the board, eventually, no private business. There'll be corporations only. That is the plan. Margaret Thatcher even touched on that at one point. And when she was in, there were more private businesses were under, small family businesses were under, than anybody ever before her. And the same goes for farmers, because the United Nations, again, has said, that farming is too important to be left to farmers. That's why you have the five, the five agri-food businesses taking over all of the world's food supply. That's why Monsanto and the boys, that poison you cannot be touched. They're above all legality by a, a special decree. Nitrogen pollution costs the EU up to £280 billion a year. this is a, again, this is your fallacy off the bat. It doesn't cost them anything but that's how it's supposed to hit the average person who reads it. The study by 200 European experts, this was expert priests again, say re- reactive nitrogen contributes to air pollution, fuels climate change, and is estimated to shorten the life of the average resident by six months. I'm not kidding you, six months, I should add maybe uh, two days and five hours and, you know, 30 minutes, 20 seconds. I mean, utter bogus figures, they just pluck out the air and this is how they do it. And it says... It says it adds, it calls for changes in farming and more controls on vehicles and industry. Again, that's the vehicles out the way, industry closed down. Remember what they said at Club of Rome, too? There can never be another America. Everything in America should be dismantled. Totally, that's what they said. And returned to the wild, basically. So controls on vehicles and industry. Well, it's hardly any industry left here. It's all in China. But they got special permits under most favored nation trading status. Under the, the World Trade Organization The problem would be greatly helped If less meat was consumed So you'd be vegetarian uh, Toffler came out with his book The Third Wave And he pushed that too A big a big player In these big think tanks And I've said this for years You will be vegetarian Whether you like it or not And it won't be any Your choice of vegetables It's what's Monsanto And the boys throw at you That's all you'll get to eat Again it brings down the population Quickly too though Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix and it's interesting too that the nitrogen goes to the, to the farms of course as a substitute for natural fertilizer, of course, which is a bad thing, again, gives off methane and all that stuff, as they say, all the greenies say. But it was interesting that it was invented by Fritz Haber, and that came out from the BBC actually recently. I'll put that link up as well. He was a guy who created poisonous gases to kill folk in warfare, came out just in time with his nitrogen uh, for World War One. made a fortune, made a killing, you might say. And of course, he's portrayed as a kind sort of hero as well because the side effect is they could use the surplus and dump it on the farms, and that's what really what helps to grow your tasteless food today. Now, there's a, a caller on the line. It's Willis from Idaho. Are you there, Willis?
0: I am, Alan. Uh, say I just got to tell you, man, I uh, love your show. Love how your, uh, your, pre- your presentation, um, the whole thing, you crack me up. I read your po- poetry. And I just uh and then I hear your little giggle as you're telling some of these stories, and it's just I understand' it's like there's you, nothing you can do about it but laugh and yep. but when I hear that from you because i I think I hear you on a different level in your poetry, yep. It just you're a funny guy, and I appreciate that <laughs> but uh anyway uh, I had a question as far as uh peak oil goes. I've heard you talk global warming and this and that yep. uh if peak oil is a uh uh, where does where does oil come from? I guess mm-hmm. would be a, a quick question.
1: Yeah, you have to look at what is called the oil tree put out by British Petroleum. Uh, Shell did one as well, and they showed you how even the vegetation and so on eventually comes down. We forget that these desert areas are pulled now out of uh, were were covered in forests many thousands of years ago, and um, the ancient Egyptians even talked about the Hamites coming in to create Egypt. And had they have to hack their way through forests to get to it at that time. Then they banked a river and sold off sold the water from the bank. That's the meaning that's where the bank comes from. And uh, but uh, so we know that the, that forest then, and we find too that in places like Louisiana, where you've still got lush vegetation and so on, the oil soaks down, goes through the ground, etc. Uh, trees fall, and then carbon is created and coal and all the rest of it, and you always get oil amongst it as well. So supposedly, it's an all—it's an ongoing process. Supposedly, you know.
0: And so, supposedly, then we would we would have a very hard time running out of oil. Uh, at all because the the oil that we're using now is thousands of years old
1: yeah and and let's be honest too we're at the bottom level of science at the level of the reality of the average person the three levels and they can certainly create synthetic oils and so on. They could, they could have gone way past the internal combustion engine a long, long time ago if they wanted to, but they, the, the plan was not that. The plan was to give folk, uh, especially in the U.S. and Canada, whether to travel to work long distances sometimes, the ability to do so as they built up the big industrial and war-making machine. Once it was done, uh, they would simply take them all away from you. They don't want you traveling in a controlled society for the new world, and that's really... What it's all about. Uh, they would certainly have given you something way beyond uh, gasoline. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Watt.
1: And thanks for calling. Yeah, but it's true. You got to laugh or you cry. I tell you, because uh, we're going through so so much utter nonsense today. And remember, the media is not your friend. The media is there to keep you at the bottom level. I would even call it reality as conditioning. That is their true function today. Most articles in the paper are handouts from big corporations to the media who are happy to put them out for them, or they're given out by governments to them. They don't even need journalists now. From Hamish Massella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.